Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to three passages of Scripture. The first will be found in the book of Numbers 23, verse 19, and then Luke 1, verse 37, and Matthew 19 and 26. In Numbers 23 and 19, let us read. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Luke 1, verse 37. Let us read. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And last. Matthew 19 and 26. Let us read. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Father, we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you for again this day. This happens to be the day that the Lord have made. And Lord, we shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. We thank you once again for being here, Lord, in the land of the living. Yet with a praise on our lips and a song in our heart, we give you thanks, Lord, for what is about to happen in the house of God. We thank you that it will move and permeate throughout, Lord Jesus, the atmosphere, even into social media, right where somebody is sitting or maybe even lounging, God. The presence of God will move upon them, God, and convict, convince and convert them. Lord, we are looking to you now, God, the author and the finisher of our faith, to do these things. And when it's all said and done, Lord, somebody, Lord, let them receive salvation today. Somebody repent of their sins and be baptized in your name and fill with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when all these things are said and done, we'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, I want to ask you to please just look at that last scripture that we read in Matthew 29 and 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want to minister to you from the remaining time that I have from this thought, the God of the impossible. The God of the impossible. That word impossible is that which cannot be, not feasible, that cannot be done. 
And there are two kinds of impossibilities, if you please, the physical and the moral. That is a physical impossibility, which is contrary to the law of nature. And we know Sir Henry Newton had a law of physics. Whatever goes up must. But when we talk about the impossible, there's the physical law and then there's the moral. And it's a thing that is said to be morally impossible when it when itself is not possible, but attended with difficulties or circumstances which give the appearance of being impossible. And it's true. It's true that with God, all things are possible. I know somebody sitting right there and said, well, you, you preacher, you don't know my situation, but I, I'm here to tell you all things are possible with God. Throughout the Bible, God's people have accomplished unfathomable tasks. God is most glorified by bringing an event to pass which seems impossible. Somebody say that's when God gets all the glory. Uh, I know I've got maybe one or two, maybe three or four people that you know that the doctors came to you and said, sir, I'm sorry, we can't do anything about the cancer. It's, it's too far gone. But God, whew, I love that phrase, but God said things that are impossible with man are possible with him. I'm telling you right now, we, we have witnesses in this congregation and perhaps some other situations in life where God used an unfathomable task and it brought him to a point where he could get the uttermost glory out of an event or a situation which seemed, that's the operative word here, which seemed impossible. Which brings me to our text. It brings us right back to our text, which actually highlights even making today's thought live, the God of the impossible. Now, if you go back and we look at our text and, and we see that there were some scriptures given, and I looked at Numbers 23 and 19, and just to give you the backdrop of that scripture, Balak and Balaam. Balak was the king of the Moabs, and he had sought to get a word from Balaam, which was a prophet, and, but he wanted the word to, to suit him, to, to tickle him, to, to promote him. And so he sent for him. Balaam needed to come to Balak. And Balak, when he, he saw him, he said, now listen, what we're going to do, we're going to uh, go before the Lord, and I need you to, to basically curse the children of Israel. <laughs> Somebody said, you know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> but but he brings him there with this intent. And so Balaam says, OK, listen, we're going to make about uh, seven altars and we're going to kill a ram and we're going to have you stand by your offering while I go yonder and have a talk with the Lord. And, you know, with that account, what happens is he comes back and Balak says, what did he tell you? How is it going to work out that they're going to be cursed? For those that hadn't read up to that account lately, go back and read it. It's not favorable. It's not leaning toward Balak. 
but is leaning toward the children of Israel. And Balaam, he just began to tell him, well, listen, king, I know what you wanted me to do. What God blesses, no man can curse. And so the king says, listen, I brought you all away. And he says the land in which he brought him from. He says, just so you can prophesy against them. Now, I'm going to give you another opportunity because, listen, I can you'll get some money out of this. You'll be honored out of this. Balaam went back to him and said, OK, I'll tell you what. And the king Balak said, we'll, we'll go to another vantage point, another viewpoint and where you can look and see them. And then tell me what the Lord tells you. And you get a chance to read the account. He goes back through the same thing. Seven altars, sacrifice. Balaam told Balak, stay right here while I go yonder and talk to the Lord. And when, when he talked to the Lord, the Lord began to, to tell him some things. And, and I want you to know that when God says something, that is what it is. And if you wouldn't mind, let me just go back to what the scripture says. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. In other words, God saying, listen, there's no changing my mind on this. I bless them and they indeed will be blessed. Had he said and shall he not do it? See, remember, we said, don't just talk about it, be about it. And if God said something that settles it. But Balak wasn't trying to hear that. He's like we are in the 21st century. We want things to be our way. I know a lot of y'all think y'all at Burger King sometime when you come to the house of God. You can have it your way. But if we realize what is happening, God has a word. And a lot of times his word meets us right at the point where we need to be, where it's uncomfortable, where he'll convict us about some things some lifestyles that we're engaged in, some verbiage that we're speaking, some attitudes that we have. And what God is saying to Balak, listen, I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not going to change up, meaning repent. Have I not spoken it and shall I not do it? Or it says, have he spoken again and shall he not make it good? If God said it, that settles it. See, sometimes we want to confer with other people. Man, what you think about this? Sis, what you think about this? But the question on the floor is, what did God say about it? I know your situation seems literally impossible. There's no way out of it. But I'm telling you today, we serve the God of the impossible. Then we look at Luke 1 37 and it says Luke 1 and 37 for with God, nothing shall be impossible. The backdrop to this is there's a young virgin girl and we call her Mary and Mary is is having a difficult time understanding what has just been done. If you go back into the account right before these words that were said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. We see what begins to unfold here. What we call a virgin, uh, not just a maiden, but a virgin, someone that has never known a man. 
is going to have a child. We call it the immaculate conception. And this is how that story, if you please, unfolds. That now Mary is going to have a child, but how is it to be? Then said Mary, verse 34 of verse number one of Luke. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I have not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost (laughs) shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overtake thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she have also conceived a son in her old age. Somebody say old age. See, God knows what he can do. He did it once and he can do it again. Remember, he did it with Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was way past the time of childbearing. But God, the God of the impossible, if he said it, it'll happen. You you remember the account. Uh, The angels are coming down and and, and the Lord says, shall I do this and not? Let my friend Abraham know. So so the Bible said that these angels came in and one of them came in and was talking to Abraham. And he was reminding him of the promise that he had made to him that he would be the father of many nations. How many of you know in order to be a father, you at least got to have one child. (laughs) He hadn't had the first one and, and he's pushing 90 and he reminds him of that promise. And while he's reminding him of the promise, Sarah is somewhere in the background in the tent and she's listening. How how many of you know sometimes uh, we uh, have a tendency to be nosy? (laughs) We have a tendency to be ear hustling, modern day vernacular. (laughs) So she's ear hustling and she hears the angel talking to Abraham about this promise that how she's going to have a child. And the Bible says she began to laugh within herself. And you know the account when it was all said and done. The angel asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Did you ever ponder why he would ask him why she laughed? You know, brethren, it's because we have the responsibility to be the priest of our home. We have the responsibility to be the one that lives out the word before our families and bring them into a gathering, into a time of family devotion. He just wanted to make sure, now, Abraham, are you doing your job? Because why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah heard what he said. In the set time, she will bring forth a child. And then Sarah began to deny that she laughed. He said, no, yes, you did. You laughed. I said all that to say because at the same time, the God of the impossible is doing something that Mary can't conceive. She can't process. He says, now, on top of that, your cousin, Elizabeth, she's an old lady now. But she's in her sixth month, and she's going to have a child too. Wow, look at this. And then he comes in verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I don't know who you are, and you're facing what you consider an impossibility. I'm here to let you know, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And if you continue to read it, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. 
See, whatever God says, she's going to embrace it. She's going to internalize it. She's going to stand upon it because the word of God. The Bible said heaven and earth shall pass away before one jot or tittle of his word. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. I'm saying to you, when she made up in her mind, I got this now. I understand what's happening. The God of the impossible is going to make this impossibility possible. So she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And then when we look at Matthew 29 and 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things, somebody say all things, all things are possible. And as this is happening, as this is unfolding, you need to go back and look and see what spawned this conversation. What was it that made the disciples act as though it was something brand new that the Lord was about to share with them. But in actuality, it had come up on more than one occasion. Verse 21, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Remember, this is the account of the young, rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, what shall I do to, get, to gain eternal life? See, some people are right now prospering in the natural sense. They've got all of the money that one could want. But how many of you know the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? And, and actually, this young man, I don't think he was asking out of sincerity. Uh, Master, what shall I do to in, inherit eternal life? I think it was more of what else besides the money I have to make me feel comfortable, make me secure that everything is going to be all right. What else can I add to this? And so Jesus began to tell him. And the Bible says, but when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what he's addressing is a issue of salvation, that salvation is possible to anybody where you are in life, how much wealth you have accumulated. It doesn't matter. I can save the rich and I can save the poor. But what he's saying to them is now it's going to be hard, real hard for somebody that got money to come in. And I want to make sure that y'all hear me and hear me clearly. God does have saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus name, rich folk. But it can be difficult because the love of money is the root of all evil. And even though that person may be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, it does not negate the fact that they'll have struggles when it comes to riches. He didn't say that they wouldn't enter in, but it'd be hard for them. 
And so when he makes this statement to them, the, verse 25 says, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? I told you this was a matter of salvation. It was a salvational issue. They want to know, well, if a rich man can't get in, then who going to make it? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It is possible for somebody that has all of the wealth that one could desire can be saved. It's possible. He can save you from the uttermost. He can save you from yourself and your thought process. He he can save you from the desire to have more and more and more money. This is the God of the impossible that I'm talking to you about. Let me just give you a few more scripture references in Luke 18 and 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. There we go again. He uses some of these same scriptures in a a different book, but, but same meaning. In Mark 9 and 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And Mark 10, 27, and Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And we know in Ephesians 3 and 20 says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. I'm saying to you, the God of the impossible is here today. Now, we said this throughout the Bible. God has allowed his people to come through some unfathomable tasks just so it will set the stage, if you please, for God to get the maximum glory when he brings it to pass something that seems impossible. God saying, now, if you give me an opportunity, I can show you and assure you that I can do it. In my closing, I want to share with you this account. A a young man serving in the United States Army, and and I'm glad to say I also served in the United States Army. I'm glad to say that I serve, and it was a pleasure to serve. But even in my experience, I can feel this young man. Because he was a young man that had enlisted in the Army, the United States Army. And he was constantly humiliated because he believed in God. One day, the captain wanted to humiliate him before the troops. So he called him and said, come here, young fella. He said, young man, here are the keys to the Jeep. I want you to take the keys and go and park the Jeep in the front of headquarters. The young man replied, I can't drive. The captain said, well, then, ask for assistance of your God. Show us that he exists. So the young man took the keys. And as he's walking, he's praying. Sure want to know what that prayer was. Anyway, he's walking and he's praying. He's walking and he's praying. And by the time he gets to the vehicle, he's prayed. Then he takes, parks the Jeep in the perfect place, just as the captain wanted him. The young man came out of the Jeep and and saw them all crying. They all said together with one voice, we want to serve your God. The young soldier was astonished. 
but perplexed at the same time. And he asked, what's going on? The captain crying, tears just flowing. He opened the hood of the Jeep, showing the young man that the car had no engine. Then the young man said, see, this is the God I serve, the God of the impossible, the God who gave life to what does not exist. Now, I know you may think right now you're facing impossible situations, but God, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. But with God, nothing is impossible. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. To a person who's listening right here in person-to-person services, or even to that person that's there being reached by media today, I pray that God will make a way out of no way for you in your situation, in your present situation. I'm telling you, God is a way maker. Didn't they sing it this morning? Way maker, miracle worker. I'm praying that God will make a way for you. God has a miracle just for you. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive And with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.